Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. should be finishing chapter 1 of the book of Revelation today. I'm going to read from verse 9. And the heading is, One Like a Son of Man. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. I was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll, which you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands Amongst the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and his hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. May God give us understanding of his word this morning, amen. And Lord, we certainly do need your understanding to fathom out uh, this book of Revelation. And um, we ask that you would give us uh, clarity of thought. May we be tuned in. May we listen, our ears open. We certainly need to concentrate because we can miss it so easily. And uh, that's something that 
most of us don't normally do during the week, I concentrate. But for this half an hour, help us to do that. We pray by your spirit. We need your help. Amen? Amen. 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 The title of this message is St. John's Vision of Jesus. St. John's Vision of Jesus. Now, before we continue this study in the book of Revelation today, let's remember what I said last week. This book is full of symbolism, all right? Symbolism, symbols that don't clearly specify what they mean. But nevertheless, they represent, those symbols represent the truth and reality of the meaning of the symbol. And of course, there are so many different interpretations of the book of Revelation. I can only present to you what I've studied, all right? And I spend a, a, most of the week doing that. Somebody asked me, how many hours do you spend? I've never, t I've never counted them all, but it's a lot, all right? I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying this is what... I present to you what I've, what I've learned. Now... Verse 1, the introduction. The Apostle John, he gives his account of what happened when he was exiled on the Greek island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea. The reason he was suffering and imprisoned by the Roman government was to try to stop him from preaching about Jesus. But God used that in order to to reveal to John this book of Revelation to him. So God turns something seemingly bad into something good. Amen? And by the way, that's what God always does. Amen? He always turns something bad into something good. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. So keep on praying. Don't ever give up. Verse 10, he said, on the Lord's day, he was in the spirit. The Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. The day that Jesus rose again from the dead. The day the Holy Spirit filled Jesus' disciples and the church, the church, was established. Prior to that, there was no church. It happened on Sunday, the Lord's Day, the day that believers in Jesus Christ are told to meet, commanded to meet together, like we are today, to assemble together to worship God. It's a commandment. It's not an option. Amen? It's not an option. Some people like to worship at St. Mattress. <laughs> He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he said, I heard behind me this loud voice. <clears throat> it's like a trumpet. All, imagine John. He's in his 90s now. And he hears this loud voice. You ever been startled? You know, some people play pranks on each other and come out and startle you. you know? <laughs> well, this, there he was by himself, 90 plus years old. And he hears this noise like a trumpet. 
Like a trumpet. It wasn't a trumpet. It was like a trumpet, it says. Like, behind it. Imagine how startled. Must have scared the living things out of him. Okay, now, G, now John heard these words. Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. And he, he, he tells you what those seven churches are. Already mentioned. Told to write on a scroll. Scrolls were originally made of parchment formed from papyrus. Now, papyrus is a reed that grows along the banks of the River Nile. Full of information here, you know. You learn so much that you never known before. And uh, in the first century, you know, the Romans put it into book form. But prior to that, we had these scrolls that were rolled up. He turned around when he heard this loud noise that was speaking to him, like sounded like a trumpet. It wasn't a trumpet. And he saw seven golden lampstands or candlesticks. Now, these lampstands that John, John saw were like portable golden lamps, candlesticks that held seven small oil lamps, like the menorah. And like I said last week, throughout scripture, the number seven is the perfect number. In this case, we're told in verse 20 what these lampstands are and what they represent. And we'll look into verse 20 in a minute. The lampstands are those seven churches. All right? That's what Jesus tells us in verse 20. Now we see the, the vision that John saw among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash across his chest. The Son of Man. Who are we talking about here? Jesus. That's one title that he used of himself more often than any other title to describe himself and his earthly ministry because he can relate to mankind because he was born a human being, son of man. But at the same time, he was and is God. Amen? Son of man. That gold sash across Jesus' chest, it was similar to those worn by the high priests in Israel, in the Old Testament. Same with the robe. Now, the purpose of the high priests, amongst others, was to take the blood of a sacrificed animal without blemish or spot into the Holy of Holies once a year in order to cover the sins of Israel. Likewise, that is just what Jesus did when he presented his own blood into the Holy of Holies of heaven to the Father. He presented his precious blood in the presence of God, the Father, not only to cover our sins, but to completely take them away. Aren't you glad that he took 
your sins away. And we need to keep on confessing our sins every day if we want to maintain fellowship with God and peace with God. Because we sin. Naturally, we do that. John's clothes, the, the, the Lord's clothes that he saw, uh, represent the dignity and the importance of the office of our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 7, which I know some of you are taking notes. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. This is what Hebrews says. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to completely save those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. That's wonderful. You know, we don't have to go through a priest. We go through the great high priest directly into the throne room of God. Verse 14, he said, His hair on his head was like wool, white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. Imagine the sight that John saw. He must have been scared to death. He said his hair was white, like snow. It wasn't snow. You know, and he wasn't wearing a rug, you know. Now, when the prophet Daniel, he had a similar experience. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, he also described the Lord as having hair like pure wool. It wasn't wool. It was like pure wool. His raiment or his clothes, white as snow. And his eyes like a flame of fire. It's exactly what John saw in his vision on the island, Patmos. Same person. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. Or brass in some versions say brass. The bronze altar at Israel's temple in the Old Testament was used for cleansing and making sacrifices for sin and for expressing in fire God's purging and judgment on sin. That's what fire does. It purges, it eliminates, it destroys, it refines. When a person entered into the court gate of the temple, the first thing they would see would be the brazen altar. That was to remind them that they were sinners. They are not worthy to approach a holy God without first offering a blood sacrifice for their sins so their sins could be purged. Jesus shed his sinless, precious blood on the cross, took on his body, God's judgment, for your sin. So because Jesus sacrificed himself, nobody made him do it. He voluntarily did it. He died to pay the penalty for our sins and for the sins of all mankind. God loves everybody. So for God so loved the world, 
that means everybody in the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever. His blood is sufficient to cover and take away the sins of everybody that call upon his name to be saved. He alone is worthy to execute judgment on all those who reject him. And he will. And he will. John describes Jesus' voice like the sound of rushing waters. He said, like the sound. It wasn't rushing waters. It sounded like rushing water. You ever been next to a very violent uh, waterfall crashing against the rocks? His voice was like the voice of authority, mighty, powerful, beautiful, and yet frightening. Frightening, very scary. Similar to the crashing surf against the rocks, no doubt, on the island of Patmos. He describes it as like a sound of rushing waters. That's the sound of Jesus' voice. In his right hand, he held seven stars. Stars, apart from what's up in there in the galaxy, what we can see each night. Have you, know, have you been going out at night? I know it's starting to get real chilly. We know it's going to be very cold the night before when you don't see any clouds in the sky. And it's getting colder. Chuck went and put his motorcycle away for the winter. So I don't blame him. It's getting too cold to ride. I haven't put mine away just yet. I'm still optimistic that we're going to have another Indian summer. But I could be dead wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. We look up. That's nice. See the star. You don't have to go to Utah. You can see them. Beautiful. We're not talking about these kind of stars, the celestial things that God created. You know what? God knows. It's got a name for each one of those stars. Now, if that's not mind-blowing, I don't know what is. Right? We may know a few of them. Oh, there's Uranus and there's Venus and there's whatever. But he knows every one of them by name. Incredible. This is not the stars we're talking about here. Stars, we're told, are the angels. The angels. Or the, another name is messengers. We're learning about that in adult Sunday school. We'll learn more about this verse, which God explains to us through the revealed word in verse 20. We'll get there eventually. Don't know how long it'll take. I don't care. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. The two-edged sword. Somebody said it was a sword. Hello. You don't pronounce the W, like George W. Bush. <laughs> it's a sword, not a sword. Two-edged sword represents the power and authority of the word of God. How, how often do you pick up your sword each day? You better pick it up every day, not just pick it up and read it. Pick up your sword, all right, every day. Read it. Of course, if you don't want to learn anything and you don't want to be blessed, then don't bother picking it up and reading it. It's your loss. 
The word of God, that's what it represents. Whatever comes out of Jesus' mouth, it's the word of God. This comes out of Jesus' mouth. The word of God. The Bible. No other book. No other book. Not the Book of Mormon, not the Quran, no whatever. The word, the inspired word of the living God. The Bible is the only holy book that's ever been written and inspired by God. And this is why it's imperative that people not only are able to read the word of God, and there's many, many umpteen thousands upon thousands of people that don't have the word of God in their own language, which we take for granted on every day, it's imperative to get that word of God into their hands so they can read it. You have to teach them how to read it, but also to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God so that people can be saved from the judgment of God. You won't hear much about the judgment of God. Tune into these TV evangelists. Some are great. Majority, you'll never hear about the judgment of God. It's all about the God of love. Love. That's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear about the judgment. Do they? His face was like the shining sun in its brilliance. Like. It wasn't the sun. It was like the sun. You ever tried looking into the rays of the sun? You go blind after a few minutes. Don't ever do that. You ever tried? Jesus' countenance was blinding like the rays of the sun. Matthew chapter 17, we read a similar account of Christ's brilliance when the apostle James, Peter, and John, they witnessed Jesus' divine glory. His divine brilliance when he was transformed, when he was transfigured on top of a mountain. There's a debate on which mountain it was. Doesn't matter. <laughs> they saw it. You can also read that in Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through 36. How am I doing, Judy? Is that okay? She says, be sure to quote those verses so we can hear them. All right. Now, when... Verse 17, he says, when I heard him, saw him, I'm sorry. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Well, wouldn't you? He's in his 90s, remember. I'm surprised he didn't have a heart attack. He saw the risen Lord. And the risen Lord was different from the Lord that he remembered when he walked with him, when he talked with him, when he touched him, when he heard him. Remember on the road to Emmaus, there was a couple of disciples and they never recognized the Lord immediately. And later on they said, yeah, hey, that was the Lord. See, and now he's in his risen form. He's different from when he was in his earthly tabernacle. But now he's the glorified Lord now. And John, he just couldn't take it in. He couldn't, he just, he went down. He just... He just passed out almost. He fainted. 
and he collapsed at Jesus' feet. He just couldn't take it in. And then Jesus shows his compassion here. And he reassures John. And he put his hand on his shoulder to calm John down and to comfort him. That's what Jesus does, people. He's the only one we can go to that can do that. And he, and he said to John, these comforting words, do not fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Are you fearful about something? Jesus is telling you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He's saying to you today, do not fear. Do not fear the future. The one who was dead is now alive. And he's holding your right hand, standing by your side. And he's eventually, he's going to lead you home. We're not home yet. But we're, going, we're heading there. We're heading home. There is nothing to fear. Did you read what that says? What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread, what have I to fear, leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. You're in God's hands. There's nothing to fear. Jesus has conquered death and hell. Jesus has absolute power and authority. And he's high and exalted and lifted up in heaven. He says, I'm the first. I am the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look. I am alive forever and ever. And because he lives forever and ever, so will we. So will we. God can never die. Neither will we. Neither will we. He holds the keys of death and hell, or Hades, as some version says. Same thing. Jesus is the life. He's the only source of eternal life. Separation from God results in death, spiritual death. But Jesus conquered death when he died when he was buried, when he rose again from the grave, so we could be reconciled to a holy, holy, holy God and be reunited. Reconciled needs to be reunited once again. It was our sin that separated us, but those sins are all gone now. We are one with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with God. Death was the last enemy to be conquered. And only Jesus was able to do it. Not only able to do it, he did do it. He alone 
holds the key to unlock the gates of heaven for all those that trust him and he alone has the key to lock into hell forever all those who reject him. He's got the key. He's got the key to the kingdom. 19. Write therefore what you've seen. Remember he told him to write on a scroll, that parchment made from papyrus, grows along the banks of the Nile in Egypt. What is now? Write down what's happened now, what you've seen, and what will take place in the future. John did write. We've got it here to read it for ourselves. It was revealed to him through different visions that will surely come to pass. Now, verse 20, let's read this again. It's somewhat complicated. And I don't expect you to get it the first time. I've read it numerous times and studied it for hours and hours. But listen to what it says. And Jesus explains what it is. The mystery. Say a mystery is something you don't know the answer to, isn't it? But he says the mystery... It's going to be revealed now. That's what revelation is. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. So now we're going to get the mystery revealed. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So is that complicated? No. This verse could mean a number of things, though. And there's different, like I said before, there's different interpretations. But Jesus explains what the seven stars are. Angels. We know the word angel can also mean messenger. Yes? could also mean stars. And throughout the Bible, it usually does. This verse could also mean that an angel was assigned to watch over each of those seven churches. That's possible. However, an angel can't be the one who's practically caring for the church. Jesus is. <laughs> Jesus is. It's also possible, and I can't be emphatic, saying it's possible, the meaning of those messengers could represent the seven ministers of those seven churches that we read in verse 16. Could be. But whoever or whatever they are, we know that the lampstands, Jesus says emphatically what they are, they're the churches. The lampstands are the churches. What do the lampstands do? They're designed to spread the light, aren't they? In this case, the source of light 
is the light. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus is the light, the one who protects and holds those churches in his right hand. Those seven lampstands, Jesus says, are the seven churches mentioned in verse 16. We read it. We've heard it. That's what the lampstands are, a church. So lampstands could also apply to the church, the church, in any generation. Why? I'm glad you asked. Because the church, or lampstand, is not the light. It spreads the light. Amen? Spreads the light. It's Jesus who is the light. And the lampstands that represent the church are to lift up Jesus for all to see the light so that people can come to the light. Who is the light? Who is the light? Jesus. Jesus. That should be the purpose of the church. To elevate Jesus. The lampstand, churches, have to be cared for by God's messengers, his ministers. The lampstand churches have to be fueled by the Holy Spirit to be able to spread the gospel message, to spread the light, the glorious gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. You ready to sing it now? So as your minister, your messenger of our lampstand here in Coleraine, little old Coleraine, I say, let's keep on burning. Fueled by the Holy Spirit, let's burn, baby, burn until the Lord takes us home. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful. I know these things are very complicated. We don't have all the answers. There's different interpretations. But I think we've learned enough that as lampstands, as the church, we are to spread the gospel light. You are the light. And as we lift you up and exalt you and spread that light of the glorious gospel, that's what you want us to do, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature so that they can be saved. And the only way people can be saved, you listening, that are not sure that you are saved, you need to come to the light. You need to see the light. And Jesus is the light. Have you come to the light? Call upon Jesus' name to save you because you know you're a sinner. He loved you. He died for you. He bled for you. He suffered excruciating pain for you. He took the punishment 
that you deserve for the sins, the things that you've done wrong. He did that for you because he loves you. Are you going to reject him? And that's dangerous because if you do, then God will reject you. You're rejecting the gift that God has given to you, his son, Jesus Christ. So do the right thing and get into a church where they preach and believe the Holy Bible and nothing more, nothing less. And uh, we're so thankful to help us believers wherever we go. You know, we take the light with us too because Jesus never leaves us nor forsakes us. Let's spread that light so others can see Christ in us so they could come to Christ who is the light. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.